Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is Russ Terry, founder and CEO of Life Coach Radio Network. Today's sponsor is Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken audio entertainment and information. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Get a free audiobook when you sign up for a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash lifecoachradio. That's audibletrial.com slash lifecoachradio. And now, here's today's show. Well, welcome to Being a Leader Live with Brenda Baird. I'm your host, Brenda Baird. I'm a certified professional coach and energy leadership master practitioner. I work with individuals and businesses uh, to explore new ways of thinking in order to achieve their personal best. My coaching practice serves business leaders, emerging talent, managers, teams, and individuals. If you or your organization needs support to remove barriers to success and help employees to reach their full potential, check out my services, please, at BrendaBairdCoaching.com. If you're tuning into the show today for the first time, this show is about leadership. I explore topics that are important to being a great leader. And as a core, core energy coach, I help my clients to anchor to their internal strengths and inspire them to dream beyond their plans. The goal of this show is to help guide you through growing your emotional intelligence, and helping you to sort of facilitate change that you may need in order to prepare and face the future with confidence and optimism. On this episode of Being a Leader, Dr. Jeff Williamson and I will focus on a leader's ability to build trust and strong relationships. As a leader, there are a wide range of skills that we need to develop in order to enrich our personal and professional careers. And in my 30-plus years in working in people development, the one skill that stands out, for me anyway, is this ability to build connections with other people. So today's show is a hot topic for anyone who is leading or is trying to influence others in the workplace. You know, life is about connecting. And as human beings, we are all by nature very social. We live in groups. We learn in groups. We work in groups, not to mention we have a deep, unrelenting need to bond with other people. In the work that I've done, I have observed individuals who have good relationships with others, and by relationship, I mean having a strong connection to other people. I find that these individuals tend to be the happiest, the healthiest, and the most successful in the long run. I believe we know this intuitively, but today there is really theory that supports this with some rigorous scientific research. It's in a new area of study at Harvard University called positive psychology. So on today's show, it is my privilege to have Dr. Jeff Williamson, Executive Director of Corporate Engagement at Olivet Nazarene University, on the show to discuss this very hot topic of building trust and strong relationships. Along with being the executive director, Dr. Williamson also served as an adjunct professor in the School of Business at the university. He teaches graduate courses in leadership and fundraising, 
and has previously served as Dean of School for the Graduate and Continuing Studies at Olivet. So welcome, Dr. Williamson, to Being a Leader, live with Brenda Baird, and thank you so much for joining the show today. Thanks, Brenda. It's a a pleasure to be with you and to talk with you about leadership. We both are passionate about that, so uh, I've been looking forward to this for quite some time, so thanks for having me. Yeah, you bet. You know, it's really my belief that we're all leaders somewhere in our lives. And certainly we are the leader of our own life. So I hope today's topic will inspire our listeners to reflect a little bit and take some action to make their life the best life that it can be. If you would like to join my conversation with Dr. Williamson, please dial 646-716-9397. Press 1 to get in the queue. And as soon as we have an opportunity, we'll take your calls live on the air. You'll be able to ask questions directly on this topic of trust and building relationships. Or if you're using your mobile device and unable to place a call, you can send your questions to Brenda at BrendaBairdCoaching.com. It is truly an honor to have you with me on the show today, Dr. Williamson. And as you know, I studied at Olivet. And although Mm -hmm. I never had the privilege to attend any of your courses, I know that you have Mm -hmm. taught graduate courses on a lot of topics around management communication, organizational behavior, change management, Mm -hmm. foundations of management, strategic management, management ethics and leadership. So I think your 25 plus years are really going to um, enhance this conversation today. And certainly your experience in higher education and management is, is quite impressive. So thank you. Um, thank you. In addition, I... Yeah. Now go ahead. Yeah. So in addition to the courses that I just mentioned, I also know that in the spring at Olivet, you teach a course called The Fundamentals of Fundraising. Now, this course mm-hmm. um, is primarily focused on fundraising and philanthropy, mm-hmm. but you make mm-hmm. some very key points in that curriculum uh, of the course about the importance of relationships and specifically mm-hmm. in building our network. So would you right. start us off with how would you define having a strong relationship and what that actually means to you? Well, obviously there are a number of factors that play into that, and and we do talk a lot about that in the undergrad class uh, that is the fundamentals of fundraising. I often use a phrase that by the end of the semester, they've heard it almost every week, and that is that as much as anything, we need to be friend raisers with the emphasis Ah. on friend because that, that relationship, that connection with people, is really where we often begin. When we talk about strong relationships, to me, in any relationship, in any context, whether that's professional or personal, trust is a bedrock trait for that strong relationship. So, for mm-hmm. example, uh, we encounter you know, new people or we get to know someone better who we, we haven't perhaps met before, and we quickly make evaluations, uh, and sometimes they're accurate, sometimes they're not, but um, there, there are some key things that we look at, and trust is related to so much of that, and I find that over time, 
if I'm building a relationship, whether it's a client or a, or a student in my class or a colleague, that, that the trust is built over time where we ex- have those repeated experiences that show us that person is trustworthy. We show them that we are trustworthy. Um, yes. A book I finished recently uh, that's received a lot of attention, rightfully so, is by Amy Cutting, who teaches uh, at Harvard, and her book is called Presence. And she mm. talks in that about this aspect of those initial valuations we make of people. And the two key, qu- based on her research, the two key questions that we really seek to answer in our own minds right away is one, can I trust that person? And secondly, are they competent? So, yes, likability is important. Yes, you know, that friend raising piece also. But we need to know our stuff. We have to be able to deliver the goods on the professional side. But without trust, that connection is tough to, to create or develop no matter how, time, how much time we interact with those people. Yeah. I think it's, uh, in my mind, I think of it as being a genuine person. And I think people mm-hmm. really have some sort of, uh, as we call mm-hmm. it at our house, spidey sense that um, are are these people genuine or not? You really do clue in on that right away of whether Mm -hmm. or not this person is trustworthy and do they know their stuff. Some really good Mm -hmm. points. I know you also speak to the importance of actually building a network and that, as you mentioned, the strong relationships play a really big role in creating that network. So what are your Mm -hmm. thoughts about why is it so important for us to actually build a personal network? Mm-hmm. There are many reasons. One of the things that I've often said as I've, as I've worked with teams or students in training, you know, whatever the setting would be, is this phrase that all of us is better than any of us. And mm. when we think about that in terms, it, it's a we statement. So, for example, uh, I think that holds true in our network. Uh, the people who we come to know and engage as peers and colleagues um, have such a wide range of strengths and gifts and talents. So those areas that we don't personally have as a strength, if we have a, a knowledge base, a way to tap into those, be it a LinkedIn or, you know, the many social media options that there are, then we have access Again, through relationship, we have access to this pool of resources of other people that we can go to them to help us solve some of the challenges we face and come up with some creative ideas. Again, because all of us is better than any of us. And yeah, I like, that, I like that. You know, to me, that's one of the greatest joys uh, in, in work or in after interacting with someone on a project is when we can solve some of those problems. And uh, particularly as I'm out visiting companies and speaking to leaders, is that when I can make an introduction of two people that I happen to know who don't know each other, but when I meet them separately or in different venues, it, it, I will think, oh, my goodness, I have to introduce you to, to Ray or to Tom or to Dave because – I, I happen to know that each of them have some shared passion or business expertise. And again, I may not have any of what those two have, but then I can connect them and then find out later that 
hey, because of that, we placed an intern from Olivet or one of our grads um, it landed in position with them and they're thriving. Or if there's a CEO who needs a particular service, whatever that might be, I can say, hey, you know what? Here's someone who is a coach. Here's someone who is an accountant. Here's someone who is a, an, an expert in IT-related industries that I trust. I've come to know them over the last several years, and I would like to introduce you because I think they can help you with this challenge you're working through, and they have the expertise that I do not. So I can put yeah. trust almost by doing that and then introduce them to someone who is competent in that area, they need that help. So to me, that is so, so important and powerful to, to connect resources. And without a network, it's really tough to do that. Yeah. I, I actually call that being a connector. And I, mm-hmm. there's a few people in my I've life who are that, that way. Yeah, <laughs> connector. Yeah. You know, it's that, that if you, yeah. you know, I need a I need something. I don't know where to get it. Mm-hmm. I don't know who to call. Mm-hmm. And then you think, ah, this person here, they're mm-hmm. my connector. They connect right. me to people. Yep. And uh, so that is I do important. get those calls. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's fun to me. It's, it's something important that really matters. That's just fun to me because it's, it's yeah. really me being me in this case. But, yeah. yeah, to kind of go, oh, I know exactly who you need to talk to. Oh, I can't <laughs> wait to, for you two to meet because – that connecting solves problems in many cases just creates a new friendship or a new working relationship that's good for everybody. Yeah, it is. It's amazing the Mm -hmm. things that can come out of those introductions. Well, we actually Mm -hmm. have an Mm -hmm. email question that just came in. Let's see. Um, It's asking, where can I get more information on positive psychology? I mentioned that early Mm -hmm. on in the show during the introduction. Mm -hmm. Positive Mm -hmm. psychology is actually a new area of study at Harvard by Tail Mm -hmm. Ben Shara. I'm not sure Mm -hmm. if I'm getting Mm -hmm. his his last name right. But there's also been a lot of work done on positive psychology with Sean Anker. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if the listener would want to turn to uh, mm-hmm. TED Talks, he does a lot of TED Talks. And I think if you Googled, uh, I think it's Happiness Advantage, Sean Anchor, A-C-H-O-R, you'll get a lot of information about positive mm-hmm. psychology and his work on that. So thank you for that for that question. We appreciate it. Now, I wonder, Dr. Williamson. Oh, yep. yep. Go ahead. No, if you have say, something... Yeah, um, I would reference back to Amy Cuddy's book on presence. She is a social psychologist at Harvard, and she does uh, specifically speak to some of the positive psychology in her book, Presence. Another one that I would also suggest you look into is any work that was done by um, Dr. Don Clifton, uh, who has uh, passed away, but he for many years, was the president CEO of the Gallup organization. And he is another pioneer in this area of positive psychology. So pretty much if you Google Don Clifton and positive psychology, you'll get plenty of resources to read and research on what was done and has been done since that time. Oh, thank you very much. Very Mm -hmm. good. Mm -hmm. It's a great question. Mm -hmm. So could you talk to the listeners a little bit more about the concept of building a strong relationship, and now it's mm-hmm. connection to being a good leader or leadership. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Well, in some ways, you'll hear me pivot back to some themes that I think are so important. But um, to begin with, uh, healthy leadership is connected to having influence, not just power or control. And that goes back mm-hmm. even to the, to the trust piece and the competency piece. So um, if I have trust in both the, the goodwill and the competency of my leaders, that's a big start. But I also think, that, as I mentioned, that healthy leadership is really recognizing that I have influence to um, connect, to impact, to guide, to lead others, whether that's informally inside or out for, uh, outside of my organization. So for me, the more I can use influence uh, rather than, you know, direct control kinds of things. I, I don't really care for that personally anyway. Um, but mm-hmm. the topic of trust is so big here again. Um, if I have been, as a leader, if I've been trustworthy over the long haul and, and built those relationships in my workplace, in my network, to me then my ability to lead, to influence, uh, and even my credibility to lead is strengthened people will see over time the, the consistency um, and therefore, if you will, give me permission to lead them, trusting me enough to uh, be on board even if there are cases where they're thinking, I don't know for sure that this is the right direction, but I'm confident enough in Jeff or Brenda or whoever my leader mm-hmm. is that, that I'm, I'm going to come along because they've just shown themselves to be trustworthy and um, not, not perfected, not always right, but um, leading and influencing for the right reasons and in the right ways. I think that goes a long way um, in terms of how effective we are at, leaders, at leadership because really we have to have others give us permission, permission to lead them, I think, when yeah. things are working the best. Yeah, I think you mentioned a word that really resonated with me, and that was the word consistent. And I think that's Mm -hmm. really one of the key points in what you've just said Mm -hmm. about how all of those things are built between people is consistency Mm -hmm. so that they can, can you know, in their gut know that your intentions or your motivations Mm -hmm. are always for good and consistently Mm -hmm. you are that way so that even when you do make a mistake, you know, right. people are more apt to, to, you know, help you to move mm-hmm. on from that and still, um, you know, follow your lead or follow your influence. It's, it's really funny sometimes how people can get lost chasing uh, so many different things when it comes mm-hmm. to developing relationships. We could probably talk about those, those bizarre ways people do that. But mm-hmm. really at the core of it all, what I heard you say is that, um, people truly just want a strong, meaningful uh, connection with people who are consistently authentic. And right. um, I think that's what everybody is looking for. I recently read a post, um, and I'm sure I'm going to butcher this gentleman's name, Edward mm-hmm. Azunu. Uh, he writes for People Skills Decoded. It's an internet publication. Mm-hmm. And he mm-hmm. says in order for a connection to develop between two individuals that there needs to be certain conditions and he said both people need to be authentic as you just described Mm -hmm. and second Mm -hmm. they must discover the things that they have in common 
Um, so mm-hmm. in your experience, what do you see as some of the most important steps in, in developing a strong relationship? We know we need mm-hmm. to be trustworthy, but what are some steps we can take to develop mm-hmm. strong relationships? Mm-hmm. Well, you're so right. I, I mean, the key word that, that, is very much commonly heard today is that of being authentic or authenticity. And uh, it it can sound like the word of the month, but I do believe it is so important. And uh, when it comes to developing strong relationships, and I'll just confess right up front, this is something I have to pay attention to. I have to work at it because I am an outgoing verbal person. And that is, Mm. I have to discipline myself to listen. Um, and again, we hear that a lot, but I, ha- I truly, you can ask those that live with me, I have to work at this every day to be a better listener. And that comes in multiple forms. For me, I'm a, you know, if you look at my Gallup strengths, one of my top five is learner. And so I love to collect information. And one of the ways I've learned to leverage that learner strength that I have is to ask someone a question and then have the discipline to be quiet and let them answer that. Because if we yeah. ask people about them, them, if we ask them, you know, what, what drew you to this profession? Or what, um, what, what drew you to this major back when you were in school? Or what are some of the things you love to do related to your job? And then for me to say, okay, Jeff, <laughs> <laughs> and to let them then talk about that because yeah. when we give them airspace and, and, and sincerely ask those questions and then those nonverbal of listeners is, you know, I try to scoot up on my chair and make sure that I'm, that I'm looking at them when they are responding. I'm not checking my watch. I'm not, heaven forbid, flipping through my phone after I ask them to tell me about themselves. Um, right. Those kinds of things that are centered on listening. If a person believes you're there in the moment that you're present and that your question about them is something you really are interested in finding out, that, that, that can be more powerful than I think we realize. And, uh, and again, guilty. I have to discipline myself. Uh, but once I do that, man, some of the greatest Dialogue. Some of the greatest moments, uh, even with my students who who may be in the you know the fundraising class or or grad student whatever. If we can get a coffee and sit down, and if I can just ask them questions and authentically, sincerely listen to them, they will tell you their story. And when they tell you their story, and you know some of their story, then we have the seeds of a strong relationship, and those can grow as we really continue to do that uh, over time. Yeah. Well, we actually had an email uh, question just mm-hmm. come in. Okay. And um, it looks like this question is really about your spring class at Olivet. Um, oh, okay. This person is from uh, Kansas, Missouri, and they actually okay. work for a not-for-profit agency there. And mm-hmm. they were looking for some advice from you. They say they put mm-hmm. off calling people Uh, in raising money because they simply don't want to deal with the possible rejection. Do you have Mm -hmm. any advice for them? um, Perhaps on, on, you know, maybe even the intention of the call. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, the, the, the call, whether that's a, a call on the phone or a call in person, yes, there's a potential for us to look at that in a way that we kind of say, well, you know, they might say no. But I, I love what uh, Jennifer McRae says this, and, and she and Jeffrey Walker authored a book that, Brenda, you and I have talked about called The Generosity Network. One of the yeah. things that they have talked about in there is that um, I either get a yes or I learn something. So uh, they really focus on the fact that when I make that ask, um, I may find out that that person is more passionate about something else that my organization does, or that person is more passionate about a different topic. Or they may say, yes, I am so glad you called, and I was reading the website, and I want to know how I can get involved. But there, if, if it's not a yes to your organization or your ask, there's that possibility then to say, you know what, um, there, there's someone I'd love to, again, this goes back to connecting, there's someone I'd love to introduce you to because their organization is so passionate about this thing you're telling me about, you, about that you really are, are more interested in your resources. Now, yes, we don't want to turn away donors if we can to um, – to not engage with us, but it, sometimes the, the no can be a no that becomes a yes later because we, again, we listen and talk to them and interact with them. You know, quite, we can find out a lot if we graciously ask questions. You know, if we uh, reach out to someone and they say, you know, I'm, I'm, I've got something that's a match for me right now, we can say, okay, thank you, have a great day. Or we can yeah. say, thank you so much for letting me know that. Would, would you have a minute or two to share with me um, either the aspect that isn't as intriguing to you or, or something that you are very fascinated with? And then, again, listening and taking note of that, but keeping it brief. I think we can yeah. find out more about what, what would lead to yes. Yeah. And it actually sets you up. In, in building a relationship that perhaps you could mm-hmm. call back at another time. Um, right. Yeah. 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 So and, and yeah, it does. If we, if we handle the no, the, the temporary no, as I like to call it, then we do have an opportunity to say, you know, um, I'd love to talk to you down the road sometime if there are other things that seem like you might be of interest to you, because a lot of times there's breadth of how, uh, an organization can engage a potential donor or potential volunteer and those kinds of things. Yeah. Now I have a question that this course of mm-hmm. fundraising for this caller, she mm-hmm. didn't ask this question, but is this course okay. available online at Olivet or is it yeah. a, a on the ground class? It It is currently an on the ground class, but I've gotten that question okay. a lot when people hear that I'm certified in fundraising and that I teach fundraising and so, you know, one of the things that we've begun to do is I, I have, as an individual, I have begun to develop, uh, to develop some seminar format kinds of things um, that, uh, that a nonprofit can do. I'm in conversation with a, a nonprofit here in the region to come to them um, probably next month or two and do a half-day, full-day kinds of thing on fundamentals of, you know, the kind of fundraising 101 and building their network and those kinds of things. So specifically, no, there's not currently an online fundraising class, 
that's available, but um, I'm in the process of making that available to where I can go to organizations, do that uh, 101 fundraising kind of thing on the ground, and then I do foresee in time that I would put that out availability as a, you know, as a uh, kind of a walkthrough wiki course kind of thing where it could be an online tool available. Yeah. All righty. So when when that day comes, we'll uh, help promote sure. it through being a leader. Sure. And uh, sounds sure. like it's of interest. So in, yeah. in your course, too, you mentioned the building of relationships can be transformational mm-hmm. for both parties. I right. wondered, could you expand on that concept just a little bit? Sure. sure. Well, I did borrow that again from, from McCray and Walker in their book uh, that, that is one of the texts in the Fundamentals of Fundraising course called the Generosity Network. They really talk about something that, you know, anyone who's done fundraising or volunteered for a nonprofit, they've probably seen this. At times, the the fundraising process can really just seem like a transaction um, where we may come around in, uh, you know, October, November and check in with them about their annual gift that they've made be that, you know, a company giving to a local organization or an individual giving to, you know, a university or whatever uh, they're committed to. But that can be too much just a transaction to where it's kind of like, hey, I want to stop and buy you coffee and pick up your check, right? Yeah. Well, there's yeah. so much more possibility to that um, when we connect in a different way. And, and the thing that I talk about with my fundraising students here is that it is so important that our head and our heart is both connected with that cause or that organization that we believe so much in. And the, the difference of the transaction and, and the transformation, for example, and I, I would use the university setting as one example. Uh, there are many, but... Uh, you know, a lot of colleges and universities do this. They'll have gracious alumni or friends of the university that make donations of scholarship dollars. And those dollars can just go into a university foundation and be given to a needy student in major XYZ or whatever. Where I have seen those gifts become much more trans- transformational has been, for example, if a, a, a gracious uh, husband and wife give a gift uh, each year for, uh, you know, three or four nursing scholarships, for example. If then during that academic year, those men and women who receive those scholarships, uh, sometimes will bring them in and have a, a, a lunch with them. And so the students who today are here partly because of that couple giving scholarships get a chance to interact with them, get a chance to know them, learn more about their story. And then the donors go home feeling electrified, uh, passionate, excited that they're pouring into the lives of young men and women right now. Now that is a whole different experience than, yeah, I'll stop by and pick up the check. It it does something. The transformation is that both sides of the equation are different and better because of it. And that's where we have the opportunity for, for transformation to happen. One of the things that, that I, I've done the last few years in the fundraising course is on night one, I love the giant 3M you know, flip charts, and I spend about half of that first evening session saying, talk to me, men and women, about 
organizations, nonprofits, causes, or issues that you care so much about that today you would be willing to raise dollars or to volunteer or to give to. And I literally reach a point in that evening where I kind of have to shut it off and say, wow, these these single space list of six flip charts full of things that this group of 20, 25 students are passionately caring about. And that is so exciting to me because when, when they start out with saying, Hey, I'm excited about clean water for children in Africa or, or, or curing some terrible disease, that is an opportunity to transform, have a transformation in someone's life by giving, supporting, helping, volunteering. Yeah. I tell you, your comments reminded me of the old saying that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And, That's true. Uh, you it know, is. it's just so, it's so true. Yeah. You've brought up to such really good points today about uh, being authentic and trust. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. in order mm-hmm. for, I believe, in order for a leader in an organization to be successful, I think trust is one of those fundamental oh. strengths that they that they need to possess, you know. No um, question. Yeah. I don't think in a workplace environment, uh, very similar to the fundraising in which people may not mm-hmm. donate dollars, but in the workplace mm-hmm. environment, you may not get employees to give you their full mm-hmm. potential if there isn't a layer mm-hmm. of a really strong, right. as you put it, uh, Mm-hmm. Uh, cornerstone, uh, which is built with trust. Um, mm-hmm. And certainly in relationships, you can't sustain a long-term meaningful connection mm-hmm. without without that trust there. I think it's true for marriage. I think it's true mm-hmm. for friendships. It's true for mm-hmm. customers um, and coworkers. Um, it's just really critical um, to all relationships. And that's really um, what I've heard you say as you've been talking here today. Um, mm-hmm. I sort of define trust as a reliance on that character. Mm-hmm. I- I'm going to rely right. on you sometime um, to be truthful with me or to be truthful about something. And, and it means that mm-hmm. I can rely on you to do the right thing and I can mm-hmm. believe, believe in you. So mm-hmm. is there anything more about um, trust and how that fits into sort of a leadership um, right. building relationship? Yeah, I think so. When we were talking a few minutes ago about developing strong relationships and the importance of authenticity, one of I, I guess I would say a clarification is being authentic doesn't mean that we just remove all our filters and say anything that crosses our mind. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah. I remember years ago someone uh, talking about a situation they were in and and telling the other individual, you know, there is such a thing as an unexpressed thought. <laughs> because <laughs> sometimes, sometimes yeah. we can say, well, I'm just being honest. I'm just being authentic. But we can do damage if we're not careful. Um, uh, Joseph Grenny and a team of writers, uh, uh, another book that I, I love and use in the coaching mentoring class that I do in our grad program uh, is, is Crucial Conversation. And that yes. book really helps walk us through, and I know you're familiar with that too, Brenda, and that book helps us to identify both when, when is the timing for those crucial conversations and, and, and the how of doing those. And so 
uh, I can be authentic and I can be direct and clear, but I can also do so in a way that um, handles that scenario um, with diplomacy and says, hey, you know, I need to, I need to have a, a conversation, and, and it is sensitive, but I, but I want to discuss this incident or this discussion or this, this outcome that I think maybe we need to revisit. And so our approach can be so much different, but not, it's so tempting to reach that moment where we're thinking in our head, man, I really need to say something right here. And in the name of peace and good intention, we just walk away. But yeah. having that crucial conversation is yeah. to say, hold on just a second. I, I, need to, I, need to, I need to say something here, and I want to do it graciously. And again, like yeah. I said at the top of the hour, guilty. I have to work at that because I think quickly, I speak quickly, and that can get me in trouble. But I have to filter sometimes and have those authentic conversations and those crucial conversations to say, here's what I think I heard you say, and if, the, if I was correct, and there's a concern there. And that's a whole different tone of conversation where we still can be authentic, but we don't let those moments pass where we are really authentic and honest. Because then that goes back to the trust piece, right? If, you, yeah. if your track record is you will speak the truth, Scripture uh, say speaking the truth in love. That that can be even harder sometimes. But at least yeah. speaking the truth graciously. Um, again, I have to work at that because I can just. Uh, I grew up with three older brothers, and and so you know we would just kind of say whatever came to our mind, and I've had to overcome that at times <laughs> because I can have a tendency to just pop out you know whatever comes to mind, and that's not always the best way to go. Trust me. Yeah. Well, I tell you, this certainly did strike a nerve with our listeners because I got an email message just as you started to um, to talk okay. about this. Um, this person mm-hmm. is actually from New York City, and, and they say they really get stunned sometimes by the feedback mm-hmm. they get. Um, right. People tell me that I'm too blunt or even attacking, mm-hmm. and I just don't get mm-hmm. it. If they say something mm-hmm. that's not true what am I supposed to do mm. just sit there mm. so it yeah. struck a chord with with this sure. particular listener about style yeah. of communication and mm-hmm. uh, and just as you said sometimes um, yeah. an unexpressed thought is mm-hmm. the better way to go <laughs> so I don't know well, if you want to add all, any more to that <laughs> uh, sure 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 yeah first of all New York I, I feel your pain <laughs> I, um, I you know I, I sometimes need and deserve feedback that I don't really like to hear. Um, one of the best things that I have to discipline myself and try to work on is if I am getting feedback that I've been too blunt, I've been too direct, or I've not been as gracious as they wish I had been, that's one of the best times in the world for me. This sounds counterintuitive, but that's been one of the best times in the world for me to not try to defend myself. It was just a couple of weeks in the last couple of weeks uh, that I was graced with being on the receiving end of one of those kinds of conversations. And yeah. I really, really consciously was sitting there focusing, thinking, okay, they're, they're sharing their truth with me. Mm-hmm. I may not think that, that my intention was that. I may not think that, 
that was really how I came off. But they're, they're taking a risk, right? They're mm-hmm. having a social conversation with me and sharing what they see to be their truth about me. And, yeah, that, it, it just hurts sometimes. But I've had to learn over time to do two things, and I mentioned one, is, not, is intentionally not try to defend myself, but secondly, to, to give that, just give that a little time. So maybe I, that evening, I, I sit down and, and I jot down the things they said to me, and I think, do I actually maybe do that now once in a while? Yeah, uh, because I I find if I hear a similar message repeatedly over time, maybe there's a little truth to that, and that's where it's tough to say. Okay, I I've got to reflect on this and and think about, you know, maybe they're just too, you know, and maybe they're just sensitive people, and that's why they trigger back on that. But maybe they're sensitive people and they have a point. So if I can listen overcome the desire to defend myself and then later on reflect on what they told me. You know, and sometimes folks may say something and you say, okay, that part, that's legit. I received that. The other, nah, I don't think so. But we Mm -hmm. have to kind of, if we take that time to sort through it outside of the moment when they call us out, I find that helps me to be more receptive to what I, what I take in from that feedback. Yeah. I think those are some really Really good points. Uh, one is to mm-hmm. just remain open, listen to what they right. have to say, try not mm-hmm. to become defensive, and then take right. responsibility for the parts of it mm-hmm. that you actually do mm-hmm. do. I it's uh, mm-hmm. phenomenal um, advice back for New York. So thank you for that. You know, in my uh, uh, core energy coaching practice, I often have to help people to get unstuck from old patterns and old beliefs. Yeah that just really yeah, don't absolutely. serve them anymore, or perhaps I should say can sometimes cause conflicts in their relationships. And generally, these sort of patterns of behavior like this can come from mm-hmm. beliefs that were developed from past experiences or early oh, yeah. childhood or even, even as a young adult. So as a coach, you try to help people to uncover mm-hmm. the story that they tell themselves um, in their mind that prevents them from having the relationships that they really want to have. And communication certainly pops up at the very top of that. But I wonder, yes. as you've been working through a lot of your communication graduate courses and then, of mm-hmm. course, working with crucial conversations, what are some mm-hmm. of the common ways in which you see relationships can become damaged or less mm-hmm. effective for leaders? Right. Right. Well, some of the things that, that we were speaking to from New York's question, um, yeah. you know, how we communicate um, you know, verbals and nonverbals, that's one of the biggest areas I have to watch myself, uh, absolutely. Another piece, too, of, of trust is those times when we find out later that someone's told us maybe half of the truth. They've not specifically given us false information, but they've withheld key information that is really relevant to either a a decision on a job or a decision on a project. If we feel like someone has just given us half the truth, there's typically going to be a sense of betrayal because we're thinking, okay, you're you're selectively 
giving me information that will maybe make me feel okay or make me think everything's okay. But yeah. if I'm only getting half of the truth, another way of looking at it is the other half that I don't get is untruth, if you will. Uh, yep. So sometimes, uh, going back to what we were saying earlier, someone may tell themselves, well, you know, I was trying to protect them. I was trying to not hurt them. But it, at the same time, if we're withholding information, if we're withholding knowledge, and it affects their life or their, their key relationships, that's still going to undermine trust. It, it really does. Uh, so mm-hmm. half-truths, um, for whatever well-intentioned reason we say, or withholding truth, can, can be a damager to, to the relationship, too. Um, another is kind of related to what we were talking about. When we make mistakes or we react wrongly, uh, one of the things I've had, one of the biggest lessons I've learned from being a dad and now having three adult children is that early on I had to learn to say I'm sorry because mm. there were times when I bumbled or stumbled as a dad and I was maybe too hard on my son or I wasn't gentle enough with my daughters or, or some yeah. response. Um, there were many, many times when I went in to, to you know, say goodnight to them when they were three, four, five years old. Um, I wanted them to not grow up saying, gee, I never heard my dad say I'm sorry for anything. That would be a condemnation of who I am, really. So, you know, even as kids, we were taught to say we were sorry when something has gone off the tracks or something hasn't been handled the way um, that it has. But it's so easy for all of us now in our adult years as professionals to somehow forget how to say, man, I... I really dropped that. I am so sorry. Or I left you hanging on this project and without the information I said I'd give to you. And I, am, I apologize. I did not do that, and I was wrong, and I need to ask you to please forgive me. That takes yeah. a lot of character. It's powerful. It does. It takes a lot of humility. But I tell you what, I will go through a wall. I will go through a wall for a leader who I – uh, as you said earlier, I, if I, even if I disagree with their methods, if I believe I can trust their hearts and their intentions, mm-hmm. and then especially if something goes off the tracks and they say well, either to the team or to me individually, Jeff, I really thought this was the right way to go, and I am sorry, but I failed in that way, and I need you to forgive me because it puts you in a bad life. When we can show character and humility to our family, to our spouses, to our coworkers, that is, I think that's seen so rarely, and I'm sure I don't reflect it enough myself, but if we yeah. can learn to sincerely say to people, I am sorry, I missed that, or I responded wrongly, then that builds trust, because I don't yeah. think we have to be perfect to be trusted, because nobody that's would right. be trusted it otherwise, Right. If That's perfection right. mm-hmm. were the standard for trust, we could all just go home and forget it. So <laughs> yeah. that, to me, that is so big. Yeah, yeah it really so is. And I think it, it makes us human, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that we do make mistakes. And I think so many times when people reach a level of leadership, they somehow feel they need to know it all and have all the answers yes. and be perfect. Yes. And mm-hmm. people see right through that. And if you want yes. people to 
follow you and walk into the unknown, which mm-hmm. so many times we're mm-hmm. taking people into the unknown, they have to know mm-hmm. that if you do make a mistake, you're going to own it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. you know, and, it, and it's that lack of self-awareness that, that really is at the core oftentimes of relationship right. problems and right. people just don't, they simply don't realize uh, the impact that they have on, mm-hmm. on one another. So this topic of trust and building strong relationships, I think it just hits every aspect of our lives. And mm-hmm. um, when I'm coaching clients, sometimes, you know, they'll come to me with, I have a problem at home or I have a mm-hmm. problem at work. And I, and I often, mm-hmm. often remind them that, you know, if you have a challenge in uh, one part of your life, I can guarantee you that that challenge follows you home <laughs> and mm-hmm. vice versa. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. yeah. And, Very um, true. yeah. So, uh, you know, it, it comes down to almost a matter of character really when, when mm-hmm. we talk about trust and this level of, of building mm-hmm. strong relationships. So if anyone yeah. does have a question about this that they want to ask mm-hmm. Dr. Williamson, our time is growing a little bit short on the show, but the number is 646-716-9397. And we do have, uh, let's see. Nope. I think the New York was our last, our last okay. email question. So, Mm-hmm. Now, Dr. Williamson, I know you've also done a lot of mentoring work with um, college mm-hmm. students and graduates that are mm-hmm. entering in the workplace. And a topic mm-hmm. that I had on one of my previous shows was um, multiple generations in the workplace. Um, right. It was a fascinating show with uh, Hayden Shaw, and he talked mm-hmm. about how uh, the challenges that we have with multiple generations working together. Um, and I know that you've done so much work in mentoring the college graduate, thinking about the millenniums in the workforce or graduates who are just entering the, the workforce. What are your thoughts about what you think their greatest challenge uh, may be uh-huh. for these young professionals who are considering, you know, entering a corporate world or maybe their church world or whatever their career is and wanting to someday be in a leadership role, what do you think their greatest Mm -hmm. challenge may be? Well, there's two or three things that come to mind when we think about, you know, what are some challenges for young professionals is, you know, I think most of the things I've learned over the years have been from my own (laughs) mistakes uh, many times. And so, so those are very much a part of, of my thoughts on, on some of the challenges for young professionals. I think it's easy sometimes, and I think back to early in my career, where um, partly I think because I was young and I hadn't been in the workforce for 5, 10, 15, 20 years, there's a temptation to think that for me to have credibility as a a 25-year-old or a 22-year-old or whatever, that I... I have to project that I'm the smartest person in the room. Yeah. Um, and, and even if they are not immediately in, in a leadership role, if you think back to earlier in the hour, we were talking about influencing. A young professional will have influence. Um, and, and I think the key of that is recognizing that 
A, as we were talking a second ago, you do not have to be perfect and flawless to be a pro and to become a pro and to become a trusted member of this team. And probably earlier on in my career, uh, I needed to say, I'm sorry, I goofed up even more. (laughs) So um, I I think I had a a wrong, wrong perspective early on in my 20s as a professional. I think I had to have this polished, flawless perspective persona or else I wasn't going to advance as a leader or a professional. And in reality, the, the times that I had the courage to say, I'm not sure what the answer is, but I need you all to help me uh, figure this out or that we made a mistake, then that integrity, that, that cracks the door open for others to say, hey, this young man or this young woman who we've hired on in the last year or six months, they have a teachable spirit. And Acting like we're the smartest person in the room will kill the effect of us having a teachable spirit. So that would be one is realize you don't have to project you're the smartest person in the room and having a teachable spirit. Maybe those are two. (laughs) You know, another thing as well that I think about is, uh, and Brenda, you know I'm passionate about StrengthsFinder and and focusing on our strengths, is, um, is as I coach and mentor students, particularly if they're university students or young graduate students, is I ask them, do they know what their strengths are? Do they know the best things about themselves? Because if they do, then they can recognize the reality that this friend, colleague, the next cube over or down the hallway or whatever, they have a different set of top strengths. And their five and my five makes ten. So we don't need everybody to have my strength set. So recognizing that they do have tools and strengths that are unique to them, but also going back to the all of us is better than any of us, we can, we can really save ourselves and others a lot of time and energy um, trying to be great in areas that we're just not that good at, but instead link arms with friends and colleagues uh, and saying, you know what, you are such a strong analytical evaluator, strategic planning kinds of person. I'm not the best at that. Would you be willing to partner with me on this project or this initiative in the community? And then we populate so much more um, skill and and passion together. So that would be, to me, a second second or third kind of thing would be know your strengths, partner with others, and and capitalize on their strengths because if, if we score a win, we all we all get to celebrate that, and to me that's uh, so important. So those would just be a few things that that uh, I would recommend to to young professionals, kind of trying to find their their sea legs or land on their feet, so to speak, when they when they come out of the workforce.
Dr. Williamson, can you hear me? Dr. Williamson, can you hear me? Yes, I'm here. Yep. Yeah, okay. I don't know what happened there for a minute. Yeah, momentary (laughs) pause. But you were making some really, really great points about um, Mm -hmm. the things that young professionals can can consider and – and to, especially mm-hmm. as they're entering the workforce uh, for the first mm-hmm. time, I think it's um, it's it's just uh, really great advice. I know you you sure. endorse the book Crucial Conversations. I believe Definitely. wholeheartedly yeah. in the work of Patterson and Grenny. Um, right. They they say the first step, you know, to meaningful dialogue is is to start with the the heart. And yes. um, I'm wondering, mm-hmm. do you actually use that platform when you're um, delivering uh, those principles to your students? And I'm wondering, uh, you know, if you can just share with the listeners a little bit what it means to mm-hmm. start with the heart. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, it, that really comes up in multiple places. Uh, you know, with students that I've had in classes, whether it was our doctoral program, our master's program, or the end of you know, the undergraduates, they hear me talk about that concept of head and heart when those are working together. Um, Because if we have the content knowledge, for example, um, and we know our stuff, so to speak, but the heart's not connected, I think it takes about 3.5 seconds for people to to see that. Uh, Maybe maybe a little variation there. That's that's my opinion. I I think people, uh, people have a sense of our passion and our, our, our energy for, for things. And, and if our heart is not in it, it's really tough to fake that. I think it really shows up in a hurry. And so I do. I teach a, a variety of leadership courses and a master's and doctoral program. And we do spend quite a bit of time, especially in that first class uh, on um, really their, their own leadership style and their own leadership skills and that they have to have a sense of their own heart, of their own core values, so that they can project that, again, that authentic um, reality of who they are. And so that is yeah. so important that people can have a sense of our heart. And that doesn't mean that, again, that we don't have filters or that we just wear our heart on our sleeve. But one of the highest compliments when I when I go out to companies or or if I'm I'm talking about communication or leadership or, or whatever the topic would be at a seminar or conference or something, one of the highest compliments that people can say if you come to talk to me afterward is when they come up and say, "Man, I can tell you really love this stuff. I can tell you really enjoy this stuff." I mean that that's the best because to me when they say that, uh, what I hear is. Jeff, we can see your heart is in it. We can yeah. see that you really do care about this. Because when, when they sense that in us as leaders, I think that's contagious. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the energy and excitement that we bring to a topic or a project, there may be some, some laggers who hold back uh, and don't catch the excitement. But I think the most of the time, the bulk of the, the people that are going to help us get the job done, they'll see that fire in us and, and, and that we love this and this is important to us, and that's when they want to get on board. And, and, and that would even loop back to to um, a question about our young professionals is you don't have to have all the answers, 
but we need your energy, your creativity, your, uh, your thought processes that haven't been formed uh, by repeated uh, assumptions over 50 or 60 years, depending on how long a person's been in the workforce. Um, our brains really do form ridges uh, based on the ways that we think. And so you've, yeah. you've heard that saying, you know, well, I'm just stuck in a rut. We really get brain ruts if we think about things in the same way. Whereas if we think about things differently, there are truly physiological differences when we choose to think differently about things. So we need my beloved millennial friends that I have in class that have graduated. We need you guys. We need you so us 50-somethings can see the light shine in a different way or through a different lens that we may not be able to get a hold of. But when you shine the light on that, man, we can just say, that's fantastic. I never thought about that. And their passion yeah. for those ideas in different ways are really powerful. Yeah, that is so true. <laughs> the crucial conversations, uh, there was a passage in the book that said, our problem isn't that our behavior uh, degenerates, it's that our motives degenerate. And so mm-hmm. what I'm hearing you yes. saying is the motivation behind what we're saying, the mm-hmm. intention mm-hmm. behind what we're saying is really right. uh, is really the key difference. Mm-hmm. You know, they right. also go on to talk about um, sometimes we think that if we just fix the people around us, everything will be better. <laughs> and you sort of touched mm-hmm. on that a little bit with uh, it's our thoughts, right? It's our thoughts and the way we right. look at things and our right. perspective. Um, their work mm-hmm. is really that if you really want to work on a relationship, you want to work mm-hmm. on the us of a relationship, mm-hmm. it starts with working on me first. It's me. And, yeah, yeah. so what are, what are your thoughts on that? Well, uh, the listeners may think I'm, I'm getting commissions for book references, but I've got another <laughs> book that I love that I finished. I, I, I keep a stack going, and, and one of the, another book that I've, that I've really loved. In fact, I read it twice this year, which I don't do that much, but if I really need to get it, I read it twice. And that one is uh, Richard Duhigg's book called The Power of Habits. And um, he does a fantastic job for the, the, the lay person, if you will, uh, where he talks about brain uh, physiology and the things that we do that either form habits or can change or reform habits. And he gives some lovely examples. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's a, uh, it's an interesting read, and it's not too heavy or too deep. So um, I highly recommend that because he does talk about that um, we have the power to physiologically and fundamentally change the way we act, think, and behave. And so that goes right back, Brenda, what you were just saying is it's easy to look around and go, man, if those guys would all just get their act together, my yeah. life would be so much better. Right? That's right. That's uh, right. And the truth is, uh, fixing Jeff is a full time job. <laughs> and if I am every day starting out saying, okay, what, what things do I need to do better? What things do I need to grow? What ways do I need to get better? It isn't that I'm just beating myself to death, but yet I'm facing each day as an opportunity to say, you know, I want to be better at this and this, or I want to reach out to this person or this team member, 
because I sensed that they, their spirit was lagging yesterday. And I want to be, again, authentic and vulnerable and open to them and say, can I ask you a question? You, you just seemed like you weren't yourself yesterday. Is there any way I can be of help or encouragement to you? And if they're not comfortable sharing that, they'll tell you. But I find more often than not, the response is, oh, thank you, uh, or oh, you could tell. <laughs> we think no one yeah. else can see our hearts and our spirits, which I think we project that more than we know. Uh, the other more day my wife know. stopped in the morning and said, are you okay? You just, you just seem a little down. And my first thought was, <gasps> you know, you can tell. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I had this illusion that, you know, I had my plastic mask on. I'm like, hey, everything's good, you know. But, but people around us have a sense of our spirits if, if they're around us much at all. So, you know, uh, that can be a very meaningful, con- crucial conversation to just say, you don't seem like yourself, and I just wanted you to know I noticed, and if there's any way I could encourage you today, please let me know how that, that can happen. And sometimes it's just leaning in and listening and spend a little time yeah. with them, and, and that, that is gold. Uh, when you go back to trust and people being willing to follow you as a leader, if, if you have an authentic question to say, is there any way I can encourage you today and really mean that, They'll they'll follow you through. Yeah, through the, the deep that's, water. That's so true. Just sometimes all they need is to know that somebody cares. That they don't that need to fix your attention. problem, but just that somebody's mm-hmm. paying attention. Yep, that's mm-hmm. right. Yep. Thank you so mm-hmm. much for your in, insights on that. Now, are there ways that our listeners can follow you? I know that you're on Twitter. Sure. Um, at yes. Williamscoach, um, I think is your Twitter handle. Yeah, at Williamson Coach uh, on Twitter. They can follow me there. Um, I also, if, if they want to go to uh, LinkedIn, they can follow me there. Um, okay. I have uh, an active uh, presence there as well. And so Great. either of those ways, uh, they're, they're very welcome to contact me. And uh, they can also email me as well. And uh, that would be J.S. Williamson and the number two at gmail.com. J.S. Williamson the number two at gmail.com. Love to hear from you. Love to talk to you. Um, you know, if you have ideas about ways I can serve your organizations or help you, I'd love to, to learn more about that. Great. You know, my coaching clients actually come to me for a couple of reasons. The first is there's just a growing awareness of the coaching profession, and mm-hmm. more and more people are just feeling the benefit of using this cutting-edge mm-hmm. modality because it offers mm-hmm. them possibilities that they just didn't realize that they had before. Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. I think they're realizing, secondly, that it just makes good sense to find a, an objective, non-judgmental environment with a good listener, uh, as you right. said, key to those strong relationships, who can mm-hmm. help them really think outside of the box of their lives and really, mm-hmm. it's all about making our lives more manageable and enjoyable mm-hmm. and helping us mm-hmm. to reach our goals. So if mm-hmm. the listeners want more information about coaching or how it can help you or your organization, you can check out uh, Dr. Williamson at Williamson Coach on Twitter and also look for his profile on LinkedIn. You can also check out my website at BrindaBairdCoaching.com. Lots of good information there. Um, 
And listeners, join me again Friday. We have a show this Friday on Being a Leader where we're going to talk with author and motivational expert Steve Beck. It's sure to be a really uh, uplifting show, and Steve is going to share his practical principles on how to have a great day every day. So that's this Friday, August 12th. It's 3 p.m., 2 p.m. Central Time. Um, Dr. Williamson, any final words for our listeners today? Just, uh, you know, one of the things I find so attractive in in professionals and people is just to work toward having a, a, a point where you're comfortable in your own skin because that gives us, it gives others permission to be who they are and to really operate in their strengths. So the more that we can be that authentic uh, best self, I think everybody's better off for that. Yeah. Well, you've certainly given us a lot of resources today, by, first by sharing your insights, but you also mentioned a book called Presence by Amy Cuddy and The Power mm-hmm. of Habit and, of course, yes. Crucial Conversations, and then mm-hmm. uh, Positive Psychology, the work of uh, Amy Cuddy and also Dr. Don, Don, yeah. Dr. Don, Don Clifton. Clifton. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, so mm-hmm. listeners who are interested in that, check that out. If you enjoyed this show and you don't want to miss another upcoming program, listeners, you can just follow me on Facebook or Twitter under Brenda Baird Coaching, or you can sign up for my newsletter at brendabairdcoaching.com. The newsletter will send you show information and also the link to tune in. So check out the website. There's a lot of great information about coaching, how it works, and what you could expect the outcome to be for you. While you're at the website, click on the radio show page, and you'll find a link to the archive of this show today with Dr. Williamson. It'll be posted in about 30 minutes once the show ends. And there's also links to all the previous shows if you're unable to listen to them live. So, listeners, I'm not sure if you're aware, but Olivet Nazarene University is located in my hometown in Illinois, and it is the summer home of the Chicago Bears. Um, mm-hmm. And I think the team is on campus right now, right, for training camp. Is that right? Yeah. In fact, uh, today is the last practice uh, here for the Bears. They break camp in the morning and head back to uh, Howlis Hall to finish getting ready for the season. So it's been wow. an exciting time here uh, the last couple of weeks with them on campus as well. So, yeah, these are good yeah. times back at all of that. Yes, it is, uh, has been a wonderful opening of the campus for the community mm-hmm. and for, for our fellow Bears fans. So mm-hmm. we'll uh, mm-hmm. say here's to a great season for them. And, um, go Bears. Dr. Yeah, go Bears. So, Dr. Williamson, it has really been a pleasure having you on the show today. I Thank hope you'll you. come back again and we can talk more oh. about le- leadership. The, this topic Absolutely. is uh, a passion of mm-hmm. both of ours. I think we could talk yeah. multiple shows on this. So yeah. thanks for tuning in to, to being a leader. Oh, that's great. Uh, thanks for tuning in everyone to being a leader live with Brenda Baird. And if there isn't anything else, um, I think that's a wrap, Tommy. Until next time, be safe and have fun. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye, Dr. Wilson. Bye. Good talking to you. Good talking to you. Thank you.